Hello, you are listening to A Little Bit of Largum, a podcast exploring how to find a more balanced, sustainable and mindful approach to living, to support your well-being, the well-being of others and of the planet too. My name is Marla and if this is the first of the January episodes that you're listening to, I decided to dedicate these January episodes to talking about veganism as it's something I'm hugely passionate about and it was a huge step in recognising the contradictions that exist between our actions and our values. This episode feels very special to me as in this conversation I'm having a chat with my sister Chloe. I don't want to sound all soft and soppy but I really do hold so much appreciation for her and I'm so grateful to have her as my sister and honestly my best friend too. This conversation was filled with honesty, rationality, emotion and a few tangents which somehow still feel rather relevant, at least to me anyway. She speaks so eloquently on what can be such a sensitive topic and I hope that you connect with the values and perspectives we discuss and allow yourself to be open to feeling and thinking perhaps a little differently. I hope that you enjoy this episode so let's get into it. Oh there you are, can you hear me? Yes I'm here now finally, it wasn't working. I have got Maggie here. That's okay. It's just because if I shut the door, what she'll do is meow and scratch at the door. And I feel like that'll be more disruptive than if she's here. So hopefully she'll be quiet. Yeah. Well, if if she interrupts at any point, I can always edit out Maggie's interruption. <laughs> I'm really grateful that you agreed to actually, yeah, come on the podcast. So obviously the first question that would be great to just chat a bit about is, what it was that led you to become vegan in the first place? Uh, well, you know this story well enough, Mark. You <laughs> became vegan and were thinking about it. And initially, I was concerned. So I wanted to read up about it, basically to prove you wrong. Um, and then just found loads of information that was the opposite of what I expected and was saying all of these great things about veganism, the benefits of it health-wise, environmentally, and obviously for the animals, and ended up convincing myself into it instead. And I think even when I was a little bit on the fence, it's a bit of a cliche, I suppose, but when I was in Cardiff and I saw that like graffitied sign on the wall that just literally said, if you're looking for a sign to go vegan, this is it. And I was like, okay, that's super weird. The universe is clearly getting involved in my life. So yeah that was like kind of the defining moment I think after I saw that that was I was like the whole the whole way then I didn't want to go back I just wanted to fully commit to veganism so yeah that's my story yeah no I remember you saying that like sussing it out investigating whether whether it was (laughs) was like a, a legitimate thing with a lot of reasons behind it so yeah exactly and I think I was so conscious because obviously we're brought up being told you need your calcium for your bones and you need the protein from meat to build healthy muscles and all that kind of stuff. And when I was trying to read about these things and then they were like, well, where did those animals get their protein and their calcium from? They get it from what they eat. So why not just cut out the middleman and eat it yourself? So yeah, it just seemed everything I had a question for there was a perfectly legitimate answer so you can't like deny the facts I suppose. Ironically enough although you were lactose intolerant you used to have a massive love for cheese and I think that can be 
and I think like that can be a really big thing for people they're like oh well I would go vegan but cheese though it's one of those things (laughs) like cheese or butt bacon though like those are the two main things yes like I love cheese you'll remember when we were kids like mum would make a spaghetti bolognese and there'd be a bowl of grated cheese ready and I would just be like eating handfuls of it while she was cooking yeah I loved it and I think again when I read up about the addictive properties of it because of the way the um the casein i think it is in cheese reacts in a similar way to the way that opiates do and it bonds to the same receptors so it literally makes you addicted so the biggest thing for me when i first went vegan i did try vegan cheeses and i did struggle the texture and the taste was obviously different and not what i was used to and i wasn't a huge fan um and i think the biggest thing for me was leaving it some time so just not having a month or two, I think it was, I just didn't like the flavour of it, but I was determined to not go back and eat dairy. Um, I think especially because at that point I'd watched The Land of Hope and Glory. And if I'd seen that when I was still eating meat and dairy, it would have made me so like sick with myself and probably physically sick. Like it, it was sad enough watching it. I was sobbing and I just think I wouldn't have been able to handle consuming that and watching that like simultaneously it would have been horrible so I think watching that really helped me I don't know stick to it I suppose and go like look you're not going to go back to dairy you don't want that as much as you haven't got a replacement for cheese yet is the flavor of that cheese really worth the suffering and the animals lives that it costs and the cost of the environment as well like the amount of water involved like it's just ridiculous so yeah I left it for a while and then revisited vegan cheeses and there's so many now that I genuinely enjoy like via life is lovely um strangely enough my friend's sister is doing veganuary and like added me to a group chat the other day and was asking me all these tips and advice I was like oh my god finally there's someone that I can like share my vegan wisdom with this is great so I was suggesting like via life because it's not got too strong of a flavor it doesn't do that stick into the roof of your mouth thing and it melts quite nicely, so I think it's like an introductory cheese. That's the best one. But I think my favourite at the moment, Tesco do a halloumi alternative. And you like fry it up. Oh, it's just, it's amazing. Like that is my favourite thing ever. So I would say like for people who love cheese, just persevere, give it some time because the biology of it, you are literally addicted to it. And, you know, a lot of people are grossed out by blue cheeses and things like that. And like just cheese in general is quite a gross thing like dairy cheese is is gross like the way that it it's just fermented cow secretions like it's horrible so just think about it in that way it should give you enough motivation to not eat it for long enough that you can break that cycle and break that addiction to it and then after that there's so many alternatives it's it's really good now as well it's better than it was when I first went vegan which is literally only a year and a half ago and it's already so much better yeah it's incredible to see how quickly those changes are happening the more people that are going vegan the the more better options that become available and yeah yeah i i remember i watched the land of hope and glory luckily after i'd gone vegan and yeah i couldn't have imagined watching that whilst eating meat or dairy and i think it's that thing you you need something that gives you such like a a strong connection that then when you see the product you still feel like that visceral feeling you felt when you watched it 
you know you can make that connection um, yeah absolutely which I think helps there's something about vegan alternatives as well they tend to be not more experimental but a, a little bit like they they are more interesting with their choice of flavors I'll put it that way so you get to try a lot of things that you wouldn't normally try which is great like I didn't used to be a fan really of flavored cheeses that much I was just like I love a strong cheddar and that's it but over Christmas like we've had cranberry cheeses like a Wensleydale alternative with cranberry in, and like, it's lovely it's so nice to be encouraged to try different things because you're not held back by your craving for a dairy product yeah and I think it was the same as well even when it comes to like cooking and things I became so much more excited by it because you were trying these new things or trying to recreate these flavors like it just kind of seems to open up more doors actually yeah it definitely does and it encourages you to be a bit more creative as well especially we find because obviously my partner has only quite recently fully gone vegan so a lot of the meals we make are vegan versions of a meat eating diet so I really enjoy the challenge of trying to create a really close alternative and trying to make it you know indistinguishable from the real thing in inverted commas but I, I love that and especially with baking as well I love trying to make something that I could give to somebody and they would go like oh my god this is vegan you're like yeah it's great that you don't have to have animal products for something to taste good yeah yeah definitely it's so so true and I wanted to go on from that by asking you about being in working environments with non-vegans because that's something that you've experienced quite a lot yeah it can be quite alienating when you're the only person you know sort of in person you know we've always got online forums and groups that you can join but it's it's not quite a replacement for the real thing and having somebody that you can meet up with in person or have that kind of moral support I suppose if you're the only person who's a vegan in your close circle or in your like group of friends at work and that kind of thing and that was a situation for me there were a couple of people I know of at least one who was vegan but was very quiet about it I didn't even know until after I had started doing some kind of vegan awareness like drop-in sessions in work the hardest thing is and it's the same with any kind of contentious subject is that everybody's an individual and people are going to react different ways so there were some people who I could have quite open and very brutally honest conversations with about what actually happens in the meat and dairy industry and things like that and they would genuinely listen and kind of take it on board and that was lovely to have that opportunity whereas a lot of people do get quite defensive when you bring up those things so I remember when I was doing my drop-in session, I had the Land of Hope and Glory up on like a screen when people dropped in and people would just take one look and then walk straight out because they just had no interest in confronting that truth. And that can be really hard for someone who's made the decision already to go vegan because you're always aware of that. Like when you go to a supermarket and in work, it's awful. Like you go in to make a coffee and there's like spilt dairy milk on the counter. You go to the fridge to get your lunch out and somebody's got half a roast chicken in the fridge on top of your food. And it's it's in front of you all the time. You have to confront it. So it's even more frustrating when meat eating people don't want to confront the truth of what they're eating because you're forced to confront it every day because of their choices. The best advice I could give is to treat everybody like an individual and 
learn the boundaries of the people that you're talking to. Some people you're just, you're not going to be able to have open upfront conversations with because they're not ready for that. They're not, they've got their own things they're working through. Everyone's got what's going on in their lives to deal with. And yeah, some people just aren't ready. And some people have been so against it for so long that they're just in that habit. And you're one individual. You can't take responsibility to try and break that habit. I had one friend in work who would kind of make fun of me, but in not a very serious way. You know, he would send me gifts in emails of like somebody turning into a carrot and be like this is what happens to vegans like oh you you turn into what you eat and just silly stuff like that and I think although I knew that he was probably never going to turn vegan like he he really wasn't interested in having a genuine conversation about it I think I chose the road of rather than having a go and saying you know like I, I don't want you to make these jokes you know I don't want people to think things about veganism I decided instead to go along with it. It became part of our friendship. It became, you know, we initially were friends about Game of Thrones. So that's what we started talking about and became friends over. And then when I became vegan, the, the vegan joke started coming. And instead of fighting against it, I used that as an opportunity to raise awareness. So when he would have a joke about something, I would then question it or use that as an opportunity to talk a little bit about you know, the reality of the meat and dairy industry. And even if that wasn't for his benefit, the people who were witness to that joke and that conversation then got to hear, number one, somebody who's vegan, you know, we do get a lot of flack for people being quite sensitive, I suppose. And it is a sensitive subject for a lot of people. And people have got every right to get upset when people are intentionally mean or nasty or intentionally try and rub in your face the fact that they eat meat like it's not very nice and so it's like important to remember the relationship that I had with my colleague and in my situation what worked best for me was to just allow it it didn't hurt me I wasn't too bothered and it allowed other people to see somebody who was vegan rather than shut down and not want to speak to somebody because you know they're making jokes they're talking about what they're eating for lunch allowing that to happen and then encouraging that to turn into a dialogue about what veganism is and why I've chosen to do what I've done. Mm. So you've just got to assess your own situation. Do what works for you. I'd never put yourself in a position where you feel uncomfortable if you can avoid it, but try and pick up on opportunities to spread awareness and to open that dialogue where you can rather than shutting it down because you feel like it's, it's a hopeless cause. Yeah, I think that's such an important point because not everyone is going to respond the same way to the same information. Recognizing that and knowing almost where to pitch yourself in relation to those people to sneakily have a a way of raising. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because like you were saying, you knew that your friend who made the jokes was not really in a place to listen but people around will hear those comments and it might spark something in their mind to think, oh, maybe there is some truth in that. Maybe I look into that a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I was normally quite shy. Like I've always been quite a quiet person. Like I've never been particularly outspoken, but the, the main driver for me was if I thought if I was one of these people listening to this conversation, what response from me would encourage them to go and learn a bit more about veganism rather than 
just allow them another laugh at a vegan's expense so rather than just sitting quietly and not responding to my colleagues jokes and things I try to choose the best course of action for yeah the witnesses to that conversation not necessarily just the person I was having the conversation with yeah that's a really interesting point and I think it helps you take a step like outside of yourself and it becomes less of like an ego thing or a confidence thing. How can I do something here that impacts on something that's bigger than me? And yeah, absolutely think about like the bigger picture. It's not just about me and my colleague engaging this conversation. It's about the impact of that conversation on everybody's perception of veganism. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you kind of touched on one misconception there where you were saying about vegans being sensitive or turning into carrots <laughs> but um i'd be interested to hear what kind of misconceptions are most frustrating to you with regards to veganism or kind of stereotypes the kind of righteous vegan stereotype irritates me a lot a lot of people put a lot of effort into making sure that you know they're getting the right nutrients and they're doing it for their health benefits which is absolutely brilliant and kudos to them I'm not one of those people. I'm a junk food vegan through and through. And it does worry me sometimes that not necessarily vegans, but anybody who puts this, this particular category on a pedestal and goes, this is what you need to be to call yourself a vegan. This is what you should have to do to be a vegan. It's just really difficult for a lot of people to even motivate themselves to try and get into that bracket. It feels unattainable. That's one of the biggest things for me is this idea that people think that vegans think they're better than other people and we don't like we're just people and we're just trying to help make the world a better place I just wish more people could see that and I know that because it is a sensitive subject that I've been victim to it once or twice where I have got frustrated and I've snapped back at somebody who's made quite an unkind comment because it hurts and it's difficult when you're trying to do something that is for the greater good for your own good for the animals good and people make fun of you for it it can feel really disheartening and really difficult especially when you then feel isolated from other vegan groups because you're not doing the same as those vegans are doing so you're not quite as good and it, it just feels so hard when you're kind of stuck in between and you're trying to do your best so I think it just needs more people and I've seen more of it recently a lot of Facebook groups I think there's one I'm on on Facebook at the moment that's like supportive vegans vegetarians and everything in between because they're just trying to encourage people to start making good changes and that's the best thing to do because the perception then of vegans as a whole as a group will improve because people who aren't vegan can go to a space where they can discuss these things they can not straight away be kind of criticized like one of the other misconceptions that gets on my nerves is this idea of people choosing veganism as a, a diet to lose weight so that was the main thing I was questioned on by people in work if they wanted to hear about my veganism they were like oh have you lost weight going vegan and I was like well I, it, that doesn't really matter like that's not the purpose of why I'm doing it and I've got no issue if people want to follow a plant-based diet to lose weight but it's this misconception that it does that or that you know that's all it's for a, a short-term diet to lose weight I and mean, diet culture anyway is horrendous so damaging it's, yeah so and it, I you know I've had difficulties like my whole life since I was a teenager with sort of self-image and the diet industry was so massive in that and it's only getting to the age I am now learning more about how marketing of diet culture works and things like that that I've, I've started to 
started to accept myself a little bit more rather than thinking I need to fit into this particular image of what a person should be. And I think veganism has helped with that. But that misconception that veganism is something you can do to lose a bit of weight is, yeah, it's, it's really unhelpful, not just to people who follow veganism, but for people who are trying to learn about it. Because if you're coming at it from an I want to lose weight angle, you're missing the, the entire point, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah, 100%. Like, it's such, it's such a damaging view to have first of all it's not going to be something that actually roots you to sticking to it because it's not in anything deeply rooted it's in a very superficial thing and food choices are so much more important than just how it affects how you look it's like Mm -hmm. how has that affected the way animals have suffered the damage to the environment the damage to other human beings working in slaughterhouse environments or things like that which can be so awful and so yeah. horrific it's then your choices become so much more rooted in trying to do better for the planet and do better for the animals and people living on it rather than being rooted in oh what's in this food that's gonna that's gonna be fattening or absolutely and that's one of the the biggest benefits I think of going vegan like the more I reflect on it is that it's so healed my relationship with food. It's healing my relationship with my body. Like it's all a journey. Like I'm not there yet, but knowing that the active choice I'm making every day to avoid animal products in my daily life, whether that's eating, using, you know, I can give myself more value because I know that that value is tied into the good I'm doing for the planet and not just, you know, oh, well, I shouldn't eat that because, you know, I'm going to get fatter. Like it just even saying it, feels so superficial in my brain now because it's just just I don't think that way anymore like some days yeah but you you just it has priorities like that's what I can say like it just teaches you priorities it really does 100% because it's like why should I waste this time on worrying about things like that when there are all these other things in the world that you could spend that time trying to do better on and it's a starting point for wanting to try and do better, but you can come at it from any angle. Some people might be doing super amazing choices in self-sufficient gardening and yeah, being plastic free and things. Yeah. All of these people are caring about the environment or caring about animals or so to then yeah. have kind of criticism and nastiness between each other when you're all trying to do better, I think can be really damaging and it's, yeah, trying to be accepting and respectful, I suppose, of where different people are at and how you can support people in mm. gaining that awareness from a place of care because that's where you come at it from most of the time. Yeah, exactly. And it should be, like, if you're coming from a place of care, then you should extend that care to all of the people that you interact with, regardless of whether they are a vegan or they're not, regardless of whether they, they've avoided using single-use plastics or not like the next thing I was going to ask is how going vegan has impacted on other actions that you've taken in your life and how you look at and question other things I think looking at and questioning is the main point I think going vegan the biggest perception shift I suppose I've had is that 
just because I've always known something doesn't mean it's true, right or good. You know, you grow up going, okay, yeah, cows live on a farm and cows make milk and we drink milk, it's good for our bones. No, like none of that is really true or accurate. Like, okay, calcium is good for us, but there's plenty of other sources for that. And if that was wrong, then there's so many other things that I've learned and I've been exposed to over the years that I've perceived incorrectly or I've been taught incorrectly or at least in a way that doesn't marry up with my values now. I think the biggest thing I've learned from veganism is to question everything and just because it's something that I take for granted as being the truth that doesn't mean that it is. And that's helped a lot, like even just with stuff like this year, for example, like not this year anymore, thank goodness, last year, 2020, so much inaccurate news was coming out. So many very biased opinions were being fed out to the masses. And automatically now my brain kind of goes, fact check that, fact check that. All the time I'm looking for things from different sources and I don't think a couple of years ago before I was vegan I, I would really do that as much. I've always been reasonably cynical about things that I read and kind of checked it but yeah since going vegan I think it definitely changes your perception of what you just take in as gospel. You're just like okay yeah like it's come from mainstream media then it's fine. Whereas now, like the amount of things I see that are in the BBC, that are in, you know, Sky and all these mass media outlets that just aren't quite right or are written from a very biased and skewed perspective. And they're just things that I wouldn't have picked up on before or noticed before. But now that I am even more critical than I was. Yeah, I think I had a very similar experience with that. I've always wanted to try and question things. um, But I think when you suddenly hit a realization where something that you've been doing up until that point in your life that you didn't question as much because that was how you were brought up as soon as you realize that one really prominent disconnect you start seeing them in so many different places and then when you get a bit of information you you don't want to take it at face value because you know the damage of a previous action where you did take something at face value. Yeah, and like our brains are designed to notice patterns. And as soon as you start noticing the patterns in what we're fed as, not food-wise, but information-wise, the information we're fed and the way that it's presented to you, you start to see those patterns and certain words being used that are rehashed over and over, the types of words they use about things. I think one of the biggest examples of that, I guess, from last year was with the refugees coming over the channel and certain news outlets, the ones that I considered more reputable, referred to them as refugees or even people, whereas I read a BBC article where it was immigrants and there was not once the use of the word people, not once. And at the end of the day, they are people. And removing that word from their vocabulary has such a profound effect psychologically that people don't even realise. And it's only when you go looking for other information that you notice those kinds of patterns. And so once you go vegan and you notice, you know, people don't say animals or even cows they often say cattle or you know even the fact that our meat and dairy products aren't just called the name of the animal things like pork and steak and sausages and 
you know, when you then change that into, yeah, and into them burgers. And it's that disconnect that they just push on you over and over and over so that you don't look for the truth anymore. Just start to notice that so much once you move away from buying into all of that. Yeah, it's so true because it just seems to detach people from their ability to empathize because as soon as you take away the human element or some of something or like the living breathing feeling element of something Mm -hmm. it negates your responsibility of thinking Mm -hmm. beyond just seeing a label or seeing a product and it's like trying to reconnect people Mm -hmm. to that empathy which I think is missing in so many areas 100% I think it's another really big benefit of veganism, I suppose, is that you allow yourself to feel that empathy. Again, something that is completely natural to us to feel empathy for animals. Like my pets, I can look in their eyes and I know that there's a person in there. Like they are their own person. And I'm sure if I looked face to face with a cow or a chicken or a pig, I would have that same emotional response. And we've been so disconnected from that, cut off from our humanity, like our, our genuine nature that people are kind of scared of feeling that again because it is emotional and it's difficult to come to terms with the fact that my entire life up until I turned vegan I was responsible for the deaths of so many animals and the suffering of all of those animals and it's so difficult emotionally and you can understand why people don't want to have to confront that but once you do it makes you realize that empathy is what makes us human it is what bonds us together as a planet as mankind it opens you up then to feeling things about other especially political topics that you then feel like you want to get involved in you want to help and you want to change things and we need more of that we need that in society so going vegan is your first step on that like if if more people just made that choice we'd have a world of far more empathetic humans i completely agree um Thank you for sharing such wonderful words of wisdom. I know I got a bit emotional then. I could feel my voice shaking. I was like, oh God. It's such an emotive thing. And I think in general, there is still a consensus of like, it's a weakness to show emotion. And it's not, it shows that you actually care about something on a much deeper level. And the priorities in general are just so skewed at the moment between what's important. And I we experience emotions for a reason like it's a biological function that when we feel a certain way we need to express that emotion it's healthy to express that emotion so why are we discouraging people from feeling those emotions and confronting the things that make them feel those emotions like it's not healthy to just avoid everything that makes you feel something that isn't happy no and i mean Obviously, it can be a very difficult thing when you first open yourself up to being more empathetic towards those things. I mean, sometimes I think I find it difficult to relate in the sense of I've always, and you'll know this, I've always been a very sensitive, emotional person. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So so I think sometimes I can be naive in the fact of when there are certain things happening that are so damaging I just get filled with so much anger and upset because I'm like what like why can't you see or feel that that's the issue is that we've we've been so conditioned now to suppress that's why people struggle so much with their mental health because we've got these learned 
really unhealthy coping mechanisms I know I have plenty and like obviously there are self-help books and things but like in schools there's there's no you're not helping people to learn good coping mechanisms for difficult emotions and I think that would help people become more empathetic and be more open to difficult topics if they knew how to handle how they felt afterwards and that's the difficult thing is that we realize in those periods where we are very emotional and we're struggling and we're suffering that we need healthy coping mechanisms but often when we're in that place we're not mentally or emotionally prepared to engage in those coping mechanisms so it's so important that people are encouraged to explore those coping mechanisms prior to struggling with their mental health because it's really difficult to come up with those things, engage with those things and successfully navigate that emotional minefield of coping with how you felt when you're already really struggling. I know that being vegan has helped my mental health massively, especially with feelings of, like I mentioned earlier, like self-esteem and my self-worth, because now I know that I'm more than just what I look like or, you know, what people perceive me to be because I know I'm having an actual impact and I suppose as well it then it motivates you to do better to keep learning and know that you're going to make mistakes as well like I think there's such a huge fear around failure and making a mistake but going vegan slip-ups happen and you know someone gives you something that they say is vegan and then you find out it wasn't and you constantly have these mistakes or what feel like failures and it's yeah. for you to have to accept that that I think is something that is a huge a huge issue is this fear of failing and making mistakes and the attachment yeah. that has to your self-esteem and yeah absolutely and even not mistakes as such but even going against something that you have always firmly believed so I think that's a difficulty for a lot of people is that if you know, like my colleague at work, you've always been somebody who's kind of poked fun at veganism. It can be a really scary thing to even contemplate becoming a vegan because you think, oh God, what will people think of me? This is always something that I've been so strongly against. How, you know, am I going to be a failure or look like someone who, you know, changes their mind all the time, doesn't know who they are because I've changed and gone the complete opposite to how I've been my whole life. And it's just encouraging people that changing what you believe when you've got new information is the best thing that you can do it is the the most sensible thing you can do and it's the most courageous thing to do it's not easy to go against something that you've believed your entire life but if you've been given more information now than you had before why wouldn't you like as a child you might have believed that the stars are little holes poked into a blanket that is up in the sky but when you learn about space, you don't go, no, no, it's still a blanket in the sky. Like, no, you don't. Like you take in that new information and you change your perception. So why is that so discouraged now that you're an adult? Yeah, definitely. Like we are continuous learners. You never hit a point in your life where you know everything and it's okay to make mistakes yeah. and not know everything. And then once we learn new things, it should almost be like a motivation of now I know this thing, I can do better. I can apply that and have a more positive impact on the people around me and yeah, yeah definitely I was wondering <laughs> if when you first went <laughs> went vegan were there any major minor slip-ups or challenges that you mm. you found I think it's all a challenge don't get me wrong like it's easy now like I'm used to it a year and a half down the line but to begin with it is challenging when you don't really know where to start 
it's it's hard when like you know I bought lentils and I had no idea how to cook with lentils because I just literally never cooked with them before and I think the first time I did it like I didn't soak them for long enough or something and it was like really it just tasted horrible so like that was a very minor mistake but it's things like that that can often put people off a little bit my friend's sister who's messaged me she's like well I, like I don't even know what to buy like when I go to the supermarket what do I buy and I think that worries people sometimes is that they, they don't know what, what's going to be there. But experiment, like I made some mistakes. I now know how to cook with lentils. Like it, it's worth making the mistakes to figure it out. But I think one of the, the hardest things, I suppose, was I didn't realise how many things have animal products either in them or used in the process. Like wine, I was baffled. Like fish intestines or whatever are used to like... Fish bladders to, to filter it. Yeah. yeah which is crazy like that's why why would you like when we have so many you know different options available to us these days like and toilet paper I was completely baffled that toilet paper used like animal fats to stick the sheets together or whatever like crazy like, it just seems so archaic like it why we live in 2020 why are we using bits of animal fat and fish guts to yeah. make our products it's just yeah. Mad. Another big one for me with that is in makeup products. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy to think that people react so strongly. So I don't know whether you've seen snail facials and you have like snails on your face and people are like, that's disgusting. Like, do you know what's in your makeup? You can't turn around and say snails on your face is disgusting and then be wiping bone froth on your face. Like, yeah, or crushed up beetles on your lips exactly so much cognitive dissonance that they are completely separated that they don't even think about it and I think that was one of the the most difficult things to come to terms with I suppose once you've gone vegan is that there's gonna be more and more things that have animal products in that I have no idea how animal products in like I'm just gonna have to face that and I'm steadily like as I run out of things you know we're all about minimal waste as well and it can be difficult like I've still got some products now that aren't vegan but also I think no one's going to make use of this because it's like a half used lipstick or something I would rather use it than it go to waste because it hurts me because it's like I'm always giving myself the same argument as meat eaters tell themselves when they go to the supermarket they're like oh well the animal has already died or like it's a waste to just let it go I feel awful giving myself that same like talk when I'm like, I, I don't want to throw this makeup out. It feels awful, but I already own that. I'm not actively buying into that industry anymore. I'm not giving them my money. It's already sitting in my house and it's just going to go to waste. So I think that's the difference. And I just try and remind myself of that and not feel too gross when I'm using it, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm so glad that you you added that point at the end. I had the same thing because I'm trying to reduce waste as much as possible. I was of the same mindset of like, I want to use up these things before getting something else. Otherwise, it's wasteful because the difference is that the damage was done when I made that purchase. Now I own that product. If I throw it away, all I'm doing is wasting that. Oh, yeah. wasting that <laughs> but um <laughs> but yeah whereas like the difference is is the next time I need to make that purchase I make a better choice and this links in really well Mar, with like the problem of greenwashing which I know you've spoken a lot about on your Instagram lately that the amount of people who are kind of duped into that they're like oh well what I've got currently isn't eco-friendly or it isn't vegan so I should get this instead 
And what those companies are failing to advertise is that, well, if you throw away what you've already got, that's not helping anything. So like, by all means, get those products if you don't have one currently. But if you've got something you're using, you know, like people who are like, oh, I need to get a bamboo toothbrush, but their current plastic one is like two weeks old. Like use what you have. On the one hand, I'm like, well, these companies are doing a good thing because they're providing eco-friendly alternatives. But the marketing that they deploy for that, which is encourage people to buy it now because what they're doing now is wrong or bad for the environment is awful. And it's just this very capitalist society like you always need it's to have just, the newest yeah. thing the best thing yeah and it's you don't it, you know fast fashion and needing new things every year phones are the worst like we, we just don't need to do that and we've been told over and over by marketing and the media that we need these things yeah we don't we're fine like it's the whole very consumerist disposable culture that we live in and for the two words i was looking for more yeah thank you (laughs) no problem (laughs) it just frustrates me and you see so many adverts as well for like the iphones the samsung galaxies like i remember reading about fairphone because when i when my phone finally craps out and is gone like i will go for a fair phone because it's the only option that I've seen where basically every part of it is recyclable and then you can buy replacement parts so it's the only phone you're ever going to need if a part of it breaks you just order that replacement part and you can put it together yourself brilliant and you know you can it can still have apps on it so people aren't then like missing out on whatever it is that they feel the need to be involved in like you can still do that but it's the best option out there of all of the smartphones that I've seen but I've never seen an advert for it it's frustrating that even though people individuals a lot of people are trying to make good changes the the mass media the mass information that people are given is not giving them the best things to do to make the biggest changes that's the other thing as well sorry I'm going off track now but like when you're on Facebook and things obviously everything's tailored to you so I feel like I see lots of stuff about veganism now but that's because I'm vegan so for the normal omni person out there they might not see yeah like all of the things about veganuary that I'm seeing which is frustrating but like I hope that they are and I know that bigger outlets like subway is doing they've launched their like vegan tastes like chicken sub and something and like vegan cookies and stuff for the january which is brilliant and it's again a bit of a contested topic you know should we still be buying into these industries that are predominantly in you know with meat and dairy but i think if you can encourage others to try it because it's somewhere where it's available to them then that's a win. Like someone walking into Subway might be interested to try their new vegan one because it's there rather than if Subway didn't offer a vegan option, they're not going to walk around the corner to the vegan shop to get a sub. So I think it's like the little wins you've got to try and take. So, you know, probably try that sub at some point. But like it definitely comes back to that thing we were talking about people being in different situations and having different access points into it. For someone having a vegan option at Subway might be their avenue in to start trying vegan foods when they're with friends who would be going there anyway who are very anti-vegan. Then once they've gone vegan maybe they look more into these 
issues in larger companies and maybe then they make a decision that they don't want to contribute to it or they want to make yeah. other changes elsewhere or they have the mindset of well it's better for these industries to be producing vegan products than more animal-based products be, sorry to interrupt and like and okay. for there to be a market for those vegan products with those big companies if they can see that enough people want to buy those things then potentially they'll offer more plant-based things than they would have if they hadn't started at all or if nobody bought them and I think for a lot of people who are maybe on the fence and considering going vegan like I know for me it was a concern I had was that if my friends you know were going out for drinks or going out for food and I was going like I'd be frantically searching the menu online first be like what could I even eat there and that's the difficulty because if you've got a group of friends and you're the only vegan then they aren't necessarily going to decide to go to a vegan place just for you also as a group of friends like it wouldn't be fair if one person got to choose where you go to eat all the time so it's really nice for people to not have that as a concern going vegan like I don't know it's just removing more obstacles for people I think and that's it giving access and providing more opportunities to pe for people to engage with it without feeling alienated and isolated yeah definitely there are so many layers to conversations around veganism and especially when it's linked to environmental topics i think you know on an animal level it's you see the reality of what happens in yeah. the farming industry and i don't want to contribute to that i know yeah. i couldn't kill an animal myself i know that i couldn't live with the guilt of that but i also yeah. recognize that some people are still living in a situation where they're reliant on that for their survival for example indigenous communities but i am not that person living in that experience so for me in terms of animal suffering that for me is a hundred percent like that is the way to go yeah then environmentally obviously the more layers people get into talking about it there become so many deeper rooted things of, well, are you going to eat more imported foods if you're vegan mm -hmm. and what's the impact of that? And obviously in terms of where we're currently living, I mean, obviously at the moment we're living in different places, but yeah. we're still <laughs> living in the global North. Um, mm. It's, it's like the kind of the notion that in the society we're living in, the average person eating animal products and the average person eating vegan the vegan person is still very likely to have the lower impact. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of CO2 emissions. Someone's made a gross generalisation, but I've often found that the people who question that are not other vegans, it's non-vegans. They're the ones going, oh, where do you get your protein from? And isn't importing an avocado loads worse than like the beef that I'm eating? You know, there's plenty of people who eat meat and also eat avocados like you know it, it's not suddenly you know it's just a vegan thing and it's I think the biggest comeback I suppose I've had to that when like someone has questioned me on things like that I think it was about soy and it's that like well well known to us fact that the majority of soy like 80% that's grown is for cattle like it's given to cows so that they can be big enough for, for humans to eat them 20% is what's actually being eaten directly by people so really the impact that soy is having on the environment is still down to the meat and dairy industry and not veganism but people don't want to hear that they don't like they, they think that their argument of oh well it's imported it's not good for the environment has suddenly 
conquered veganism and oh they win like I am the perfect example for this because it's exactly what I did I put in enough research to try to disprove veganism being a good choice that I realized it was a good choice and became vegan so if everybody did that if they actively went okay well I'm actually going to research this now they would realize the same truth as we've realized it just takes a little bit of time to look into it and being humble enough to go do you know what yeah I was wrong and change your mind and act upon it yeah definitely and it's a really fair point you make as well when it comes to challenges to veganism like it's so nice to have the conversations where people are genuinely interested and they are questions and they want to learn and it's from a place of both people wanting to do better but when it's coming from the defensive or to try and be like oh I got one over on on a Mm. vegan like that's when I think it's problematic because people aren't listening then people aren't trying to and it's what a lot of people aren't having debates with other people to learn about things they're having debates with other people because they want to be seen as winning and to feel more powerful I suppose to feel like they have beaten someone and it's what you see in the comment sections on Facebook and Instagram is that you know when you read these comment chains of people who have opposing points of view it's not a structured or even kind debate about the topic it's just one person taking aim at the other and the other person firing back like it's not it's not constructive nobody's learning anything nobody's evolving nobody's changing it's just one-upmanship it's just people trying to discredit the other person rather than both people gaining something from the interaction but this is something that I want to talk to you a little bit about how you found your best way of engaging in conversations with non-vegans because I feel like you've been much more engaged in those conversations or sharing about veganism on social media platforms. Yeah, if you had maybe advice for people how they find their way of talking about it or mm-hmm. yeah, how you found your, your way. Yeah, I think it's a tricky one because everybody's going to have their own perception of what they think is most effective. So, and I know we did a cube of truth, didn't we, in Cardiff, um, where we got involved and, you know, and I enjoyed that as an opportunity just to see what that was like and to see how people reacted to it. Because I know how I would have reacted. I'm sure I've walked past loads of them previously that I don't even remember walking past. And like studying psychology as well, it's something that I'm really interested in, in like how, how do we change people's minds? Like how are you supposed to get people to completely change their way of perceiving their world in 10 minutes on the side of a street in Cardiff like it's impossible and I think that's the reason why the kind of shock tactics are used the the footage is used and it's quite evocative I suppose you're also confronted by sort of five ten people in masks and then people come up and speak to you about it And all of that is quite an intense situation for a person, especially when you're not a person who is vegan. And from a psychological perspective, like one of two things will happen, like either some people that really works for them, like some people that is all it takes, like they can see that they can have a conversation with a person and that's their mind changed. Like I think you're that sort of person, Marlon, that you are so empathetic. If somebody presents that information to you, you're going to go, oh my God, like I didn't realise everything was that bad. I'm going to make changes straight away. And then you've got, I don't know, you will either feel something or uh, you won't. And it baffles me that some people don't, but some people just genuinely don't care. And in my experience, and in my opinion, it's not 
a constructive use of your time to try to convince those people otherwise like they already need to make some steps of their own to become a more empathetic person before you can approach that subject with them and then you've got the people who do look at that footage and they do care but five minutes later they're back in Starbucks getting their like caramel latte because it didn't stick and I think that's the the downside of shock tactics I suppose is that people are taken aback by it for a couple of minutes and then they forget. And I'm not saying I'm a vegan activist because I'm really not. I don't do an awful lot, but I do try to engage in conversations with people about it. And I always try to do it from a place of just getting them to question their own perceptions. So rather than confronting them with information, it's all about asking questions. And this is something that Anonymous for the Voiceless, I think, do do quite well like that's the part of the cube that i found really interesting wasn't the people standing there with the footage it was listening to people who do it well the kinds of conversations they have and when you listen you find that all that vegan activist is doing is asking the person questions and that's that is the best way like in my experience hands down the best way because people who don't want to believe something if you just tell them it they'll just continue to not believe it Whereas if you encourage them to think a little bit and to question something a little bit, my best experience of that is somebody that I worked with who I think I was putting almond milk in my coffee or something. And they were like, I get the whole not eating meat thing because it kills someone. But like, why don't you have dairy milk? Because like cows make milk. So just, you know, surely they would be worse off if nobody took the milk and they were just like full of milk all the time. I was like, well, why do cows produce milk and they were like, oh, like they're cows i was like okay like think about another mammal like a human why would a human produce milk and i'm like oh like, obviously when they have a baby and i was like okay so do you think cows produce milk all the time or and they were like oh like well, yeah because they have a baby and i was like okay well, what do you think happens to the baby and they're like oh like i don't know and you're like well generally they kill them if they're a male or they raise them to then go through the same thing and each time like that cow has been pregnant and has made the milk that milk production stops so what do they do oh they make the cow pregnant again and kind of leading people to all of these realizations that they're, they're learning it for themselves but in a in a way that they feel like they're discovering it and they are like oh my god oh my god every time whereas if you just provide that information they're just like oh like right okay like you've, you've told me that but it hasn't had any impact Whereas if they're discovering that for themselves on like a little journey in their own heads, it's going to have a more lasting impact. And so hopefully lead to actual action and change rather than just a quick, oh, that's kind of gross. And then walking off, you know, that's such a good point. I think it is. It's allowing a space for someone to come to that realization, mm -hmm. opening up a chance for them to think about something that maybe they haven't thought that much into before rather than telling them something along with all of the other things you get told all the yeah. time you know and I think it's, it's super important as well when you're having that kind of a conversation with somebody is to be really patient and to also be as non-judgmental yourself as you would want somebody else to be if you were in that position and they're not going to feel ready to open up and change their minds about what they're thinking if we're already dismissing what they originally think so it's so important to let people explain their reasoning behind what they think before encouraging them to question that, because otherwise you're not actually giving them time to learn or to even think that they, their opinions are valid 
and that they can be listened to. Like if you're not willing to give them that space to have an opinion, why should they listen to yours? Yeah, so true. Comes back to that balance between listening and talking. Like I think sometimes when we think about communication, people just think about talking. And it's like, well, actually, you need to listen. Otherwise, no one's getting heard. And none of that information is landing anywhere. (laughs) So, yeah, that's super valuable. Now, it'd just be great if if you have any tips for a knowing vegan or attempting veganery right now at this moment. Yeah. Have, like, Chloe, Chloe, one sec. Something with that, it sounded like... It's still um, doing it. It's still doing it. You sound like a robot. No, is it better now? No. <laughs> Am I not? You're okay now. now. You're okay now. Yes. Basically, starve yourself of cheese is my number one tip. If you are a cheese lover, at least give yourself a fortnight. Just try and not have anything, not have any cheese, and then try a vegan cheese and try like I said via life or something that's got a bit more of a flavor like cranberry or you know something that's a flavored cheese because that's your best hope I suppose of like successfully transitioning from dairy cheese over to non-dairy and it would also be like just join as many groups and pages as you can because everybody's got different advice everybody's got their own little nuggets of wisdom that they've discovered over their, their time being vegan and a lot of people have already done the groundwork so you don't have to go and actively find information on your own like someone guaranteed has already done that so if you join these groups it saves you a whole lot of time and effort because you can just read that information without all of the hassle that goes into finding it and collating it together and you know people have made those resources for that exact reason and I think it's really nice for them as well to see people make use of the things that they've found out and the ideas that they've had. And it just helps to strengthen the community of people who are trying to do a better thing, rely on each other and genuinely use the resources that people are providing for you. I think just try and take things lightly, like you're bound to have, if you're trying Veganuary, people poking fun or like, you know, little jokes here and there. Don't take it to heart and like know that the only reason that people make those jokes and things is everyone and like all vegans say this I think and Omni seem to hate it but like the only reason that they poke fun and that you know they they don't like that you've done it is because they're uncomfortable with facing that they're uncomfortable with the idea that you're going vegan because you disagree with eating meat and dairy for good reason and people they, they don't want to engage with that it makes them uncomfortable so kind of hold on to that I suppose and know that really that's the only reason that people are gonna make fun of you or you know look down on the decision you're making like just remember that you're doing it for all of the right reasons great thanks Claire and then if you want to share a couple of your favorite vegan foods yes obviously um my you know what 2020 was a disaster but it was also the year that fruit pastels and jammy dodgers became vegan and i have never been happier in my entire life like they're two of my favorite snacks like fruit pastels especially i always used to have a tube of them at christmas like they're my favorite sweets and they became vegan thrilled like oreos obviously are 
like one of the best accidentally vegan things. Recently, Tesco have brought out a mint choc chip ice cream, which tastes exactly like Viennetta and it's the best thing I've ever had in my life. Hands down, like the best ice cream I've tasted. And it's like a normal price as well. It's not like £4.50 for a tub like Ben and Jerry's. Like it's decent. I think it's £2 for a tub, which is great and is lovely. I really like the company This Isn't, who do like bacon and whatever. This Isn't Bacon is the best bacon alternative I've had. My partner loves it. He'd said to me that it is better than like pig bacon. So much better. So that's excellent. And anything by the unbelievable alt is great. Like they make really, really good kind of fake meats, I suppose. Beef strips, chicken strips, they do mince. So like if you're somebody who is trying veganuary and you're used to making all of your normal dishes, your spag balls, your curries, you know, that kind of stuff go for their their stuff because it's lovely and you can just substitute it into any recipe and it works the exact same as meat would awesome thanks Chloe. and then my very very final question is how do you find your little bit of larkham it's tough because i we have similar brains marlin that sometimes we're like all go and it's hard to remember that like you don't need to do everything at once like it's okay to take some time for yourself and not feel guilty about it and the biggest thing for me that helps me with that make sure that I'm not going overboard with anything um, my pets like I love my animals they're brilliant and they just kind of remind me that there is more to life than whatever thing it is that I am like wound up about I can just sit with Maggie my cat or little Gus the dog bless him and even though he's a nightmare, like it's just nice to kind of be responsible for that little creature and know that he doesn't care if my university essay isn't as amazing as it's supposed to be. Like he, he still loves me anyway because I feed him. So, you know, things like that. I think staying with my pet, remembering that there's more to life than whatever it is that I'm stressing about. That's how I get my little bit of love of them. Aww, that's so lovely. Thanks, Chloe. Okay. I mean, I love speaking to you all the time. Anyway, whenever we speak, it's always wonderful. Um, yeah, I think we bounce off each other quite well, which is nice. Yeah. So thank you so much, because you always word things so articulately as well. And yeah, I so- couldn't remember consumerism or whatever. I've forgotten the other one. Like um, <laughs> Disposable. <laughs> yeah, like why? Why can't I remember those words? But yes, I, I try to word things well sometimes. <laughs> but yeah oh amazing well i hope it's all right to edit and stuff mark i've never done a podcast before so i don't know hate the sound of my voice like i don't even know if i'm gonna be able to listen to this one i'm sure there were like other things that i was going to talk about but there always will be there's there's a whole world out there of all this stuff so Thanks so much, Chloe. It was really great having this chat with you and I'm sure we'll have so many more in the future as we tend to always have very deep conversations every time we chat. If you enjoyed the episode, have any questions or if anything resonated with you, I'd love to hear from you. You can message me on Instagram at a little bit of largum or you can drop me an email if you prefer emails. My email address is a little bit of largum at gmail.com. I hope you're having a lovely day and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye.